So for those listening online, we're asking the question, what does it mean to be saved? And so, um, as I mentioned, you know, it's, we've lost sometimes the impact of words. So salvation is something that's so central to Christian life, but has become cheapened. So I'm going to actually get into a few of my thoughts, and then we'll just go for today. So we have, this is what we, I imagine the prototypical salvation looks like. We see this nice, good boy wearing a suit. You know, when we think of salvation, we think hopefully, you know, we have like an age range, age range. You know, by 8 to 12, hopefully they get saved. It is, uh, you have to go and stand and say a testimony. You have to say, um, the Lord has been good. This is what we used to say growing up. You would say a testimony. Every week we'd say, the Lord has been good to me and my family. I'd like to say a verse. But then the day of salvation, you'd say, the Lord has been good to me and my family. And I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need a savior. Generally, this is something normal people would say. We've come to the point of, have you heard of the sinner's prayer? That if you say the sinner's prayer, you know, now big churches, what they'll do is at the end of the meeting, you say the sinner's prayer and they say, you're saved. And for me, many times, I think we've cheapened it again. We've cheapened salvation. We've cheapened to a one-time decision that is about getting to heaven. And it's about the problem of sin. And I want to engage with the scriptures about what it can be so it can be maybe a little bit more life-giving. So I'm going to look at the scriptures to see what did Jesus do? How did Jesus engage and what did he see salvation as? So we are going to look at some chapters. In John chapter 2, we see a picture. What is this a picture of? The wedding of Cana, water into wine. Can you agree with me? So in this situation, what happens? There was a family that had invited Jesus to the wedding. And during that time, wine was a thing they drank. And usually you gave wine, and you gave the best wine first, and all of the wine runs out. It was a very, it was a tough situation because it, it showed that they weren't well enough. They didn't have enough money for their situation. So it was a stressful situation. So Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you do something? Help the situation. So Jesus comes and tells them, fill these jars with water. And then Jesus says, take it to the host. And he takes it. And what happens? The water turns into the best wine. The, the guy was like, you normally give the best wine first because once people are drunk, they don't need the best wine. They'll take any wine, right? <laughs> but, but really, you save the best wine for the last. And so Jesus saves that situation. We look in John chapter 3, and this is the story of Jesus and this is from Nicodemus. Yes, so this is a picture from The Chosen. If you've never seen The Chosen, it's a great series to watch. And J Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Why? He wants to figure out what is salvation. Are you the Messiah? And so Nicodemus is coming to Jesus because he has these deep theological questions to God to say, what is the truth? John chapter 3, verse 16, by the way, is a very common text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus meets the man in his theological need. And then finally, we see John chapter 4. This is just a sneak peek. John chapter 4, we see the story of what? The woman at the well. And there was a woman at the well. So normally, when people would get water, it would be in the early mornings with a lot of people. But this woman would go at noontime. And she would go at noontime. Do you know why she would go at noontime? She was, she was not accepted by people. She had been married how many times? She had been married five different times already. And so she was not accepted by society. So in order to avoid that, she went to the well at, at a different time so she didn't have to deal with the judgment of people. And in that, who meets her? 
Jesus meets her in the noontime when she was by herself. He meets her in her social issues. In her own issues, he meets her. And this is what I recognize salvation is. Jesus always saves us from our problems. Here's the truth of it. You know, we, there has to be a problem that he's saving you from. You know, we've made it into a deep thing. You know, people will go up to someone and say, oh, you're, you know, one of the common evangelism techniques that Kirk Cameron will do is he'll go up to someone and say, have you ever lied before? What does that make you? A liar. If, if you've ever stolen someone, what does that make you? A thief. If you've ever uh, thought anything negative of another person or had a lustful thought, that makes you an adulterer. So he said, because of your confession, you're a sinner. So you need a savior. And one thing I, you learn is he's bringing the problem to the person. One thing I've learned is you have to recognize your problem for yourself and then the Savior means something to you. See, we have made it a religious thing. At a certain age, you need to just say, I believe in Jesus. So you just do it. This is why there's no evangelism. What do you have to share with someone? Every one of these people wanted to share about Jesus because in, in their issue, he met them. And here's the beauty of life today. In your issue today, he wants to meet you. Not in this fake way of, oh, let me put my suit on and say, oh, Jesus loves me. It's genuinely in your issue of life, he wants to meet you. And that's so beautiful. And when he meets you like that, it is so rich and it's so powerful. I'm going to give you some examples of this. This is a guy, I don't know if you know who this is. This is uh, the, one of the guitarists from the band Korn. Have you heard of, this, have you heard of Korn before? It's very, it was a pop band in the, I don't know, 2000s, I think. This is Brian Welch. He was one of the guitarists. And he said, you know, he gives his testimony on I Am Second. If you want to go watch the whole thing, go watch. He said, I was living life to the fullest. He said, I had, you know, when he started playing his guitar, he'd have people screaming, like stadiums of people screaming at you. You have all the money in the world. You have access to every pleasure and everything. He said, I felt like a king. So as time went on, he lived in that, and he did whatever he wanted. Well, one day he had a daughter, and he got so mad at his girlfriend because they had so much money and things that she became addicted to meth. She was a meth addict, and she ended up losing her life from meth. And he hated her for that. He's like, what kind of mother are you? Well, just like she did, he followed the same. To, to fill his voids, he started doing meth. And he said he would roll $100 bills and he would snort it. And he said he would go put his daughter in front of the TV and he would just go do drugs. And he would literally at one point, he said, what am I doing with my life? How can I do that to my daughter? He's like, she deserves better. I already got mad at someone else for this. How can I do this to her? And he said his realtor texted him one day and said, you know, there's a Bible verse that says, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And he's look, he said, I looked those words up. I didn't know what burden meant. And he said, man, it means that I have weight on me, and I'm, I'm heavy laden. And he said, I need rest. So he went to church the next day. He went to church with the broker. By the way, this is an encouragement for you guys. If you ever, he just sent a text to a friend, like broker. You never know what your small acts can do to somebody, right? So anyways, that guy went to church the next day, and he heard the message, and he gave his life to Jesus. And literally, he said, 
it was a great moment for him, but nothing changed. That day he went back home and he did more drugs again. And literally after he finished his drugs that day, he said he looked up to heaven and said, God, if you're real, you have to take this from me. And so literally he said in that moment, he felt his desire for drugs go away. In a moment. And it made me think, if in your lifetime you've never tasted how good God is, he will never mean anything to you. He will always be some a chore you have to do or something that you have to experience. So I want to encourage you today, you have to understand your problem first. And the beauty is it can be any problem. Do you understand? He met them in their desire for more wine, right? Well, you would think that like God doesn't want to be involved in that problem. In any problem of your life, he's ready to meet you and help you. You might look and say, okay, I don't have a meth addiction, Sam. I can't have such a supernatural experience. Let me tell you my experience. This is why I love God so much. And this is a story I've said and I'll continue to say because it's what it means to me. So I remember I was in college and I think, you know, I had my salvation experience when I was young, but in college is where I really came face to face with it. I remember I was picking my major and I was thinking, okay, I want to be a doctor because, you know, every Malayali needs to be a doctor or that's what our parents want us to be. And so I was like, okay, I was a biology major when I came in. And I remember I was taking my classes and it was hard and I could do it. It was fine, but it was hard. I would study, study, study. It was hard. So then I just looked up and I was like, man, what do I want out of life? So then I thought to myself, okay, I'll be going to be a doctor by, you know, hopefully 28. And then, you know, the Malayalis have their normal system. And after you become a doctor, what should you do? You should get married, right? And after you get married, what should happen? Hopefully you have a nice kids, right? And they'll grow up and hopefully they'll become doctors just like you, right? And then you'll have grandkids. And then I thought, and then you'll die. And I remember thinking, man. What a bleak existence. <laughs> we're just doing, we're just repeating someone else's story. And I thought, what a meaningless life. And I remember looking up, I remember I would sit in my dorm room by myself. I didn't want even friends around me. And I just, it was almost like a quarter life crisis I had. Where I was like, what is the point of this existence? Genuinely, I, was, I would sit there in the room by myself and just look at the wall. Like, what is the point? And I remember... Truly, I lived in my problem. Till you come face to face with your problem, you will never understand the solution. Salvation means nothing till you understand your problem. I remember thinking, I don't want to just do this to do this. I want my life to have meaning. And genuinely in that moment, Jesus meant something. He filled me and he gave my life meaning. So I want to ask you today, have you ever truly had that experience with God that in your issue, he has met you? And if not, he wants to meet you. Isn't that such a good story? He wants to help you. That's the beauty of life. He wants to help you. So I want to just say, how do you know that you really have had that where you've come face to face with the problem? and you have answered honestly, can you honestly talk about what Jesus means to you? If someone asks you that question right now, what does Jesus mean to you? And all you're going to say is generic things. I might challenge you to say, maybe you haven't met him. To me, honestly, you know who Jesus is? He's my meaning. No one can take that away from me. 
He is the meaning of my life. I've met him. And my challenge is he needs to meet you. You know, the way that I, the example I'll give is, talk, let's talk about me and my wife. You know, the example they give of Christ and the church is like a marriage. So like, what if, if someone asked, what does Hepsi mean to you? All I said was, she's the one I have and to hold in sickness and in health. What if I said, that's what she means to my life? They're like, man, you're, like, you're just saying what they said to tell you on the day of your marriage, right? You're just saying generic things. But truly, you know who she was to me? When I didn't have a job, she gave me a chance. When I was a bum in my life, <laughs> my mom even tells me, if, you, if I had met you, I wouldn't even given you a chance. <laughs> mom is savage. But Hepsi, in the midst of me not having a job or anything lined up, she said, I'll give, love you. That's who she, I have a personal experience with her. Jesus wants to have a personal experience with you in every problem. So if you came here with a problem today and you're like, I haven't even told anyone this issue. He wants to meet you in that. And it may not be right away it's going to happen, a solution, but he wants to meet you. So offer it to him and see what he can do because he has a good solution. Truly, he has a good solution. I'm going to go to my next one and my last one, and then I'll be finished. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13 says, Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, we're going to read this together, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see that? What does it say? Continue to work out your salvation. So with fear and trembling. So what I want to encourage you, salvation is a present reality and a future hope. You must work out your salvation daily. It's not just one moment. You're like, okay, he's my meaning and then I'm done. I'm saved. I'm good, ready to get to heaven. No, he wants to work on you. He is saving you. And you know the most beautiful part? We have all of the problems in the world for him to get to do it. Right? If you're here with no problems, you probably don't need any more salvation. But I know me personally, I have enough problems that I need a savior for all of them. He's working on us. He was my meaning first, and then he has become my provider. When I needed sustenance, he was my provider. And in the mornings when I'm down, he is my joy. Truly, he wants to be your everything. Salvation must be worked out. And it says, with fear and trembling. Do you understand? With fear, do you understand? It's so easy to go backwards. You can have that one moment where God was my meaning, and then I just fall back into the world. We've been learning about Babylon as we've been studying Revelation. And it's this beautiful thing that it is, a, you know, the world is attractive to you. So even if you had that one moment experience with God, it's like it's so easy to go back into the world. And so what you have to do is daily, you have to be, daily be saved. You have to work out your salvation. I brought a kettlebell, kettlebell on there. You're working out. This is not easy. You are working out your salvation. There are some things that are so deep-seated in you that need to be worked out. So I want to encourage you today, work out your salvation. I'll say one more story of this and I'll be done. I want to talk about my grandma for a moment. So my grandmother is the one on the left. So my grandmother, uh, 
she was, I think, one of the most genuine believers I know. So from a young age, she was born in a Pentecostal house. She was saved and baptized, and she was getting ready to get married. And, or, and she got married, and she got married to my Alpatin. She always tells me, I wanted someone who was not just a believer, not just Pentecostal, but someone who really loved God. And God answered her prayer. And I remember she, was, she got married, and um, it's, they, while they were working in the field, she was one day just looking up to heaven and saying, I want the experience of the Holy Spirit. And so she looked up to heaven and said, God, and she just said, she told me she just sat there and cried and said, God, I want to experience you in a personal way. And so a guest pastor, Patachere Yonai-chan, came to the town. He was uh, one of the speakers of the time. And he spoke, and she said she got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so she first met him. She always told me, if you have any deep need of God, God is the provider, especially with him. He wants to provide. And she, she told me that day that prophet told her, um, Daughter, you and your husband are set apart for my ministry. I'm going to send you to various places, and I'm going to send you to various people to serve me. You know, and during that time, they were just like farmers. And so um, my, Amichi, my Amichi's mother-in-law heard that, and she said, <laughs> meaning, oh, yeah, I'm going to send you. Because during that time, mother-in-laws were very controlling of the daughter-in-law. She's like, yeah, I'm going to send you. Yeah, you're gonna, God's going to use you trying to control her, and Amati, but still God met my Alpachin, and he stepped out into the ministry. And then story after story, they depended on God so much that they had all these beautiful experiences with God. My Amati told me one time she was in a, in a village, or they were in a town, and my Alpachin was preaching, and some, they got filled with the Holy Spirit just from speaking. And a lady got filled with the Holy Spirit that she threw off her jewelry and left it at the altar and said, God has moved in me so much, I don't need this anymore. She said, the fire of God is on me. And so the townspeople heard about it and said, oh, this preacher just wants to get the jewelry from the, from the people so that he can go make money. So they came and they wanted to beat him. They wanted to beat my Alpachin. So uh, in that town, they, the, those people came and they, they hired a police during that time to beat my Alpachin. So... My Alpachin heard about this and he said, okay, let's go see what's going to happen. Like he was a very, he was bold in the faith. So he went to, you know, I imagine it was like a coffee shop. This, I, Amici didn't tell me all the details. So this is me like, you know, like a Western, like he like the, the swinging doors. So I just imagine my Alpachin sitting there with his coffee. <laughs> and then he like the guy, the police opens the door and he walks up to my Alpachin and everyone's expecting him to beat him. And the guy gives my Alpachin a hug. And everyone's like, what? We just paid this guy to beat him. And the police said, this is a guy from my hometown, which is 10 miles, or like miles away. When my mom died, the police said, their family gave me rice to eat, so I would never hurt him. And it made me, for Amuchi, it was just, God is our protector. She learned that truly, God was her protector. So she had these iterations, like, God wants to save you and continue saving you. He wants you to be, he wants to be your all in all. So if you came here today and you have already had the experience, ask him, what do you need of me? What is, where is the area in my life that you need to save today? Because if there's anything that I recognize, we all have our issues that need Jesus to save every single day. 
So I ask you this, how do you know you are growing who God means to you? If all, like if all I ever said was God is meaning to me, I have a dead Christian life. And, and just like my Amichi, I want you all to have a mature and full Christian life where he's meeting you in everything. And the beautiful thing is as he meets you in everything, you can share that with others. Evangelism is not a chore. It's just you sharing your experience with others. You know, I, I want to again reiterate the marriage thing again. You know, like what if I stopped at saying she was the one that just chose me? What a dead marriage it is. Our love continues to grow that now it is, I see her as the one who provides, the one who takes care of our kids. You know, watching her go through labor, I'm like, man, how much our love grows. How much she gives for us. So I want to encourage you. Jesus wants to love you just like that spouse relationship. He wants to daily grow with you. He wants to daily grow with you. So I want to ask you today, really, what does it mean to be saved? Let me conclude with this. It's a lifelong process where Jesus meets you in your problems today and helps you create a heaven on earth. Because truly, that's the, the key. He's saving you for something. There's something different in your homes because He saved you. There's something different in your workplaces because He saved you. You don't react like others. You don't think like others. There's something different about you. But He has to meet you first. So I want to ask you this morning, if you have never met Him, if you have an issue this morning, that you may think is too big or too small, say, Jesus, I want to meet you today. I want to meet you in my situation. And if you've never done that before, it may not be that the solution will come right away, but our prayer is that the solution will come and it will be better than any solution that you have for yourself. He wants to meet you in everything. As we saw, He's ready to meet you in your theological questions, in your social anxieties, in your needs, whatever need it is, He's ready to meet you. So let Him meet you today. Like, like Brian Welch read, Come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you came this morning without rest, He's ready to give it to you today. If the stresses of life are too much, He's ready to meet you. And if, and if this morning you've already met him and you know who he is in a personal way, but you need to grow in it. Ask Jesus, show me where I need to grow closer. How can I recommit God today so that I can give you the new issue I have? Because he needs a mature Christian. He doesn't need a lifeless Christian. He doesn't need a one-time Christian. He needs a lifelong mature Christian. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that Jesus meets you. Even if you didn't come forward or uh, feel led to do that, ask him, just like Brian Welch in his private time in his home, ask Jesus to meet him, ask him to meet you. Our goal is not anything else but that people will meet Jesus in this church. So as you go this week, may you be more and more an image of Jesus in your family life, in your workplace, in the grocery store and in the gym. I pray that when anyone, when anyone sees you, they would stop seeing you and they would start seeing more of Christ.